Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind our favorite games. Today, we'll be discussing the game Machine of Death. Machine of Death is a storytelling card game designed by David Fuden, David Malky, and Chris Straub, and published by Topatico in 2013. Machine of Death is for two to four players, and a typical game takes 30 minutes to play. Enjoy the episode! Hi, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Mike Riemann. And I'm Spencer Campbell. And this is Beyond the Board. And this week, we're talking about Machine of Death. Yeah, Machine of Death. So, quick disclaimer Mm -hmm. ahead of time. Machine of Death is a game about killing and assassinations. So, if you are listening or if you have kids listening, maybe skip this particular episode. Uh, It can get a little... Some of these are a little dark. The assassinations that we're going to be talking about today are actually almost comedic. uh, But ultimately, we're talking about killing people. Hired guns. Yeah, so just in case, we make light heart of people being dead. Yes. So, just keep that in mind. Anyway... (laughs) So Machine of Death, it's a, it's a card game that was actually inspired by a book that was put together. Mm-hmm. And the book was inspired by a webcomic, a particular uh, issue, if you will, of, of a webcomic that describes a scenario in which we live in a world where a machine exists that if you volunteer some of your blood, it will give you, uh, it'll kind of like print out a little thing and tell you how you are going to die. But... There's a problem with that. Yes. So what it prints out is either a word or like a phrase of how you're going to die. And it's a little vague. So it could say staples. And so you instantly think, okay, well, I'll die by maybe getting a staple on my finger or something like that. But it could also mean you die maybe at the department store or you die from bread and potatoes, which is a staple food Mm-hmm. In, in certain cultures. So the idea is that it's up to interpretation how you're going to die. It's definitely you're going to die this way, no matter what, no matter how many times you use the machine, but it's just how you're going to die is is up to interpretation. Right. So an, a novel was put together. They, they kind of reached out to the world and said, hey, who likes this idea? Write some short stories inspired by this idea. And they got hundreds of submissions. They made a book. And it was really popular. It was, it's, a, it's a pretty cool book. And you can actually download it entirely for free if you want. But, you know, you can also buy it and support the, the authors as well. Yeah. So the, there's this book, and they decided to create a game out of it. And how are you going to gamify this interesting scenario that they've, they've described here? So what they've done is we, as players in Machine of Death, act as assassinations in this world in which the machine exists. Mm-hmm. So we work for a company that is an assassination company. And things have gotten a little harder ever since the Machine of Death was created because now the only way to kill these certain people is based on what card they get because there's no other way they can die. It's just fate. So your job as assassins is to figure out how to kill them based on the card they get. Right. So how is the game played then? We know that we are assassins, and we have to somehow creatively kill off our targets based off of whatever their faded death point is. So what do we see here? This is, a, this is a card-based game, and it's important to note that it's also a sort of collaborative storytelling game. It requires a lot of creative energy and creative thought and input from all the players. It's a very kind of high-paced, hectic at times, but very fun, uh, bounce from, uh, brainstorming and bouncing ideas off the wall sort of game. So you you lay out your cards on the table, and the very top card is the card that is the fate. 
the how is the how is your target going to be killed? Mm-hmm. And the card next to that, which you actually write in based on different missions and scenarios you can get, is the the actual target and maybe some intelligence that you get on them, whether they're susceptible to certain sounds or things and where they actually are. Yeah, it gives you information about their likes, their dislikes, uh, their fears, their hopes, their dreams. Exactly. And then maybe some sort of location in which all of this hit is going to take place. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have a you have a target. You know how they have to die or what needs to be involved in their death somehow. And then you need a little bit more prompting from the game to kind of put some restrictions on exactly how you can pull this off. So the way in this lore works is since you are working for a company, you have different um, gift cards that you get from different companies. So you can get uh, stuff from a sports equipment store or uh, a place with um, large weights or something like that. And so they give you kind of vague uh, supplies to use to help kill this person but you have to use three to to with uh, to to actually successfully do the assassination so the example that they have is the word is blaze uh, and so you know they're going to die by a blaze and they could be obviously think a big fire or something but i know there's like a blaze pizza here in chicago the the pizza chain the build your own pizza Mm -hmm. pizza so that could easily be something Mm -hmm. uh and then the three cards that they have for the like the gift cards are something red a liquid, and a weapon. So they have to figure out how are they going to get this person to die in a blaze by using something red, a liquid, and a weapon. And so it's up to the players then to to talk to one another and actually plan out the hit based off of those items. And so they go one by one and think out, well, what is the something red that we can use right now based off of the intelligence that we know about our target, their likes, their dislikes, what might trigger them to react in particular ways what is going to be most useful for us to try and hit this target? And so they they describe this scenario in which the target, the something red that they decide to take are bricks. Because the target actually uh, is, he likes masonry, mm-hmm. so they think he'll be distracted by the bricks. Not only do they just have bricks, but they decide that the first step of this mission is to use bricks to build a wall, a sort of container around their target, and hoping that the the love of masonry is going to allow this to to just happen sort of scenario. So that's there's something red. And then they decide to go to the next step, which or the next card, which is liquid. So they have to use liquid in some way. And so they decided to fill up the bricked-in container with gasoline uh, in order to, like, stop the target and use their third card, which is weapon. Yeah, and you can already see that we're getting close to this idea of a blaze now. So... They've got the bricks, they have the gasoline, now they just need the blaze component. And so the the weapon that they end up going with is a flaming arrow. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you shoot a flaming arrow into a gasoline-filled brick container, and our poor target is going to go out in a blaze of fire. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about this is you can switch those in any way, shape, or form. So if you want to put the weapon first and, and start with the weapon and then go into something red and then do a liquid, you can you can do that. It's however the group decides how the narrative is going to go, depending on how they want to kill the person. Um, and so you assign this story, and then with each card, you decide how plausible it is. And the plausibility is between numbers of two and six. Two being most easy, and then six being 
like you need a miracle to have this happen. And it's really all about figuring out and working together because it's easy to play through the game and just say, well, it's two, 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 and hey, I win the game. But it's not, the game's not about winning. It's really about telling a story and creating something together. Right. So you, you want to actually realistically think about how difficult it would be to pull off these various stunts using the, the, the gift cards that have been given to you and really think, how hard would it be to build a wall around this target? Is their love of masonry really going to allow us enough time to build the wall? Maybe that might be a, a difficult task, but once it's built, it'd be really easy to fill it with gasoline, and then mm. you just put a flaming arrow in there. So probably the hardest part of this it, this hit is convincing the target to let us build a, a brick wall around them. But after that, it's a pretty easy, pretty easy kill after that. Yeah, so what you would do is say, okay, the something red building the brick wall, I would give that like a five difficulty. And then I would give filling it in a two, and then shooting a bow and arrow with a flaming on it, maybe a three or a four. And you're all decided by whoever says basically the highest number goes. Mm -hmm. And then what you'll do is when you're ready, you'll start the timer and then you'll roll for each one of these as you're describing the story and what happens. And the object is to get above the number you decide how hard that task is. And if you don't hit that number or above, then what you have to do is draw another gift card and then impromptu think of something that will change because the idea is that the assassination went wrong. This didn't work. We have to think of another solution. And so it's if you screw up a lot, it constantly changes. It makes you think really on your feet. And the group thinks on their feet. Yeah, so this is where the hectic nature of the game comes in because I think the timer is about a minute long. And so you might have a, a crystal clear plan set on your head and then suddenly step two fails you and you have to flip a new card. And it could be anything from this gift card list. I mean, the ones that we have here on the table, for instance sports equipment, something heavy, headwear. We lose one of those, that's a third of our plan completely gone, and we have to now account for a new card with a very limited amount of time. And that's that's the real fun of the game, is then being able to, on the fly, adapt your assassination to this new, interesting, and unique scenario that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so, like, in their example, uh, they give the ideas that, okay, they build the wall, but then what happens is gasoline rolls bad. And so they build the wall, they were able to successfully do that, then they go to liquid and the gasoline, they weren't able to fill it with gasoline, so they have to put a new card. The new card says nature. Mm -hmm. And so what they have to do with nature is they decide to switch weapon and nature, and they decide their second weapon is napalm. So they put napalm inside the brick enclosure, and nature is a lightning bolt. And so they give it new number assignments, and they keep going. And this is all while the timer's still going on. Yeah, so that's, that's the key right there, is the timer is still going on. So you then are losing time and time and time until... You have to try and pull off this this hit before the timer ends. Now, if you do successfully manage to pull it off, if you manage to roll the target value that you gave, honest target values to all of the steps, then there's actually kind of like a little bonus round that continues on while there's still time left on the on the, in the the hourglass there. And there's a a thing called aftermath, and the aftermath has also values for a six-sided die that are various scenarios that you then need to account for after you've finished your hit. These can be things like catering the target's weight to fleeing the scene, establishing an alibi, things like that. And so while you still have time left, you're rolling the die and then flipping new gift cards and figuring out how those are going to be uh, established in your universe of, you know, oh, I just flipped over a real-life robot. 
and I need to now establish an alibi. How am I going to use that based off of the scenario we've painted so far? Mm -hmm. And each one of those who successfully assign a number to and figure out how hard that's going to be and roll against it and, and successfully do it, you'll the next round you'll get cards called specialist cards and those are like characters or special abilities that will help you also in your next assassination um so a full round would be four separate assassinations and they have an entire mission book that comes with the game that actually has a whole set of four assassinations and usually there's a story that goes along with the whole entire thing there's also an online thing to where you can actually uh, randomly generate assassinations so you guys can play just basically forever. Yeah. You can also create your own. They have a little Mad Lib thing in the back of the missions book that lets you create your own and just fill in the blanks, which is kind of fun too. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very narrative-driven uh, game, and, and if you're a group of people who like making up stories or if, if you're a tabletop gamer, like a role player, a RPG gamer... It's, it's a really fun game mm -hmm. to even just warm up with or even to get into um, telling stories. Yeah, so this is, this is a, a, another kind of a, a cooperative game out there that you can play with your friends that really just kind of gets those creative juices running. And, you know, even if you use the same targets, you're going to get different gift cards in different scenarios that you're going to have to create out of the same target. So even if you use the same missions over and over again, depending on the equipment or the word that is their fated death is going to be different every time. And so it really does have fantastic replay value. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I would say that if you're the kind of group that are really, really sticklers about rules and you guys need to stick to a, a very set of rules to in order to have fun, it's not really the game for you. But if you like to be loud and if you like to to go back and forth and and really create something it's definitely uh, a fun game for that kind of stuff um so with that being said machine of death assassination squad uh <laughs> trying to kill people we decided to uh, look up and try to find kind of the most wackiest assassinations uh successful assassinations that have happened in real life yeah because you know history is filled with successful and unsuccessful assassinations throughout time. It's, a, it's actually kind of an ancient practice. But the idea here is we want to take a look at some assassinations that replicate the feel of Machine of Death, where suddenly that one card, that one plan that you had counted on, is no longer going the way, and it's the mad scramble to see can you still pull off the kill, or does everything totally fall apart? <laughs> So we've, we've got a handful of assassinations here that we're going to kind of tell the stories of, and you'll you'll quickly see how one small thing that goes wrong is it's just a house of cards, and it, they're desperately trying to keep up. Um, <laughs> so who are we going to start off with? So we're going to start off with, <clears throat> excuse me, a Nazi leader, uh, Reinhard Heydrich, and he was the uh, Reich Reich's protector, or the Reich protector of Bohemia and Mor Mor Moravia. Moravia? Sorry, mm. how do you say that? <laughs> He's he was known as the Butcher of Prague. Yeah, he was. This was a this was a bad dude, Nazi first of all, but second mm. of all, one of the worst Nazis. So it was certainly called for for him to be uh, assassinated in this particular scenario, and so. The, there was a, an operation put together in which two soldiers were trained and sent out to essentially dispatch of Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. The Czechoslovakian government uh, uh, put it on Jan Kubis and Slovak Josef Gabčík, which mm -hmm. we'll refer to as Kubis and Gabčík. 
uh, for the rest of this one. Um, they actually parachuted in because it was controlled by the Nazis, and they parachuted in and had no communication and no plans of getting out of there. This was yeah. basically a suicide mission for them. And they, they landed there about five months before the hit, too. So they had plenty of time mm-hmm. to plan <laughs> and think about how they were going to do this right. They had lots of time. So in that time, they learned that uh, his route, uh, Heydrich's route, actually would he would drive to work in his Mercedes past this, just on the same road, and they, they learned the road, and it would slow down around this one turn, and they were like, that's the best pot to, to get in and, and take him out as quick as possible. Yeah, so it basically took place in a suburb outside of Prague, and they they decided to set themselves up. They got themselves a a, a Sten machine, a submachine gun, a standard gun for the time. They planted themselves in place, waited for the, the vehicle to kind of make that hair point turn, and pulled the trigger. Now, I guess when they were living here for five months they got really used to to the environment and and Gabchik ended up uh getting rabbits and on the way to this assassination attempt he put his rabbit food in his pocket mm. with his gun and the grass and the like the actual uh, plants got caught in the gun and so when he tried shooting it it got jammed because of the rabbit food and he was not able to shoot Hadrick. Yeah, so there's a there's the pull of the trigger. the The gun is jammed. It's clearly failed, and it's not like they're in a sniping location where there's no like no one knows that they failed. They are out in the open, clearly trying to kill Hydric right now. And so Hydric is sitting in his car, watching these two individuals pointing a gun at him, pulling the trigger, click, 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 click. Nothing is going on. And so Hydric, being the bold, brash Nazi that he is decides to take matters into his own hands. Yeah, being a smart Nazi, meaning he would drive away as quick as possible and let his soldiers take care of it, he decided to pull out his gun and fire right back. And then sure enough, click, his gun was empty as well. (laughs) Yeah, so he steps out of the car, he has his pistol out, he's aiming at them, click, click, click. We have another failed attempt at shooting one another. So there are these these two kind of groups here now pointing... Failed automatic, you know, failed guns at one another, and then they decide to step it up a notch. <laughs> so, this opportunity has has arose, and just like in uh, Machine of Death, their their dice didn't roll in their favor. So they've got to think fast. And so, uh, uh, Gabchik and and Cubis they decide to lob a grenade mm-hmm. or a bomb at the car that Hydric is in, and the car blows up. But it doesn't kill Hydric. Yeah, because they they didn't quite get the bomb throwing right, too. They mistimed <laughs> it. And so the bomb actually even hurt. I think it was uh, Cubis also got hurt by his own bomb that he threw. So there was this kind of this explosion that wounded everybody in the area. But nobody died from the initial blast. Mm-hmm. And then Hydric, of course, gets up out of the car and starts firing still at them with his empty gun. So he's still just shooting for some reason, hoping that maybe a bullet will magically get in there. And then Kubis grabbed a bike and just started pedaling away, realizing it wasn't going to work. And then Hydric uh, starts running after Gabchik, who's also running. But mm-hmm. Hydric is still injured from the car, uh, and so he collapses. and then eventually his driver comes around, picks him up, and they try to chase after Gabchik, but he ends up escaping. And they both end up escaping. 
Yeah, so Heydrich, you know, he's he's chased after these people. He 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 had so many opportunities to just leave, <laughs> to just tell his driver to drive on or ignore these fools. They failed. Let's just leave. And yet he his pride made him follow through. So he's collapsed. He's bleeding on the ground now. He actually does get found by a local, and they they escort him to a hospital to try and take care of him. He had the audacity to complain about the bumpy ride on the way. <laughs> Just to show you how much of a monster this person is, uh, and 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 he didn't die right away from the explosion. But what ended up doing him in was actually the upholstery um, in the Mercedes uh, hurt his wounds and actually became infected, and he died from a bacterial infection um, about a week later because he went into a coma and then died. Yeah. So he ended up getting what was coming to him, but it just took a while after an extreme comedy of errors. So yeah, that just shows you how one small part of your plan, a.k.a. the gun working, that fails, and now you suddenly are in a completely different scenario than they had initially planned for. Mm -hmm. And that is how uh, Reinhard Heydrich died. That's right. (laughs) Assassination number one. So staying in the in a relatively, you know, we're going to move back a little bit earlier in the time to one of the more famous modern assassinations, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Arguably, pretty much understood to be the tipping point that ultimately led to the beginning of World War One. Mm-hmm. So Franz Ferdinand uh, is he he's he's assassinated by a group called the Black Hand. The Black Hand is a is a small kind of liberation army that was trying to uh, assimilate, from my understand, kind of Slavic areas in the in the Serbian and Austro-Hungarian portion of Europe. And then you have Arch the Archduke has been sent out by the 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 uh, Emperor of the, of the Austro-Hungarian Empire to go help kind of assimilate in there. There's this idea of establishing a third crown in the area. And so the Franz Ferdinand has been sent out and the Black Hand plans this idea of, of pulling off an assassination. And so they send out six individuals to, to, to kill the Archduke. And so the Archduke gets in a motorcade on the, on the day of his assassination and he begins traveling about town. And, there, and so, so there's a, a series of cars. He's in the third car at this point in time. And there are six assassins of the Black Hand who have been spread out along the route with either pistols or bombs. The, there's kind of this series where there's six opportunities now for him to get killed. And the first two just completely fail to act. They just don't act. They don't do anything when the time comes. Either cold they, don't, feet. <laughs> they get cold feet or they don't see an opportunity. But ultimately, they don't, they don't do anything. The third one is where we see the first actual attempt. So a bomb is lobbed at Ferdinand's vehicle. It bounces off the the top of the car. It explodes. It and you know it wrecks the car behind them. There's a huge crater. Tons of people are injured, and, but it does not actually kill the Archduke. And the assassin, you know, immediately acting upon after throwing his bomb, takes a cyanide pill. They've all been given cyanide pills. <laughs> the cyanide pill. Fails to work and only makes him sick as he takes the cyanide pill and then jumps into what he will soon be a river that will he can drown in while he gets killed by the cyanide. Problem is, that river is only a couple inches deep because of the heat of the summer, 
And so it's this guy who's just vomiting in a couple inches deep of water who gets dragged out into the streets, beaten by the public, and then arrested. (laughs) So the Archduke is understandably upset about this entire thing uh, and goes goes forward with the the motorcade and meets with the mayor and they have a bit of a, a back and forth and there's this there's this question of well, what do we do I mean there was just an, a, an attempt on the Archduke's life should we just hole up here and wait for troops to come in should we change the schedule should we maintain the schedule to maintain an air of you know, authority. And they ultimately decide, well, we're not going to wait for troops to come in. That's, that's silly because these, their argument was that the troops weren't going to be in dress uniform. So that would be inappropriate for them to come (laughs) in and take care of it. Uh, And there's actually a great quote in which the, the governor general asked the question, what, do you think that Sarajevo is full of assassins? (laughs) Which it actually was at this time. There were six of them. Although, we're down three at this point in time. Two had failed to act, and one had a terrible cyanide experience <laughs> and is currently being arrested. So they decide, uh, Franz Ferdinand and uh, his, his, um, his wife Sophie, they decide to actually go to a hospital to visit the people who might have been injured by the bombing. Mm. So it's this very kind act. They, they go, and a, a different route is ag- agreed upon. Problem is, that route is not passed on through the right channels because certain people either are off-duty or not at the right location to pass on the information. And so Franz Ferdinand's car takes the wrong turn and ends up in front of a deli. <laughs> it's at this deli where the, the actual assassin of the, of, of the Archduke, he's, he's sitting there and he's... He's eating lunch. <laughs> like, it's, I, I, I read, I've, I've heard, like, kind of alternative ideas. This, uh, Princip is, is the assassin's name. And there's, there's accounts where he actually had planned on this. Like, he thought that this was going to be part of the route. And so he had he intentionally been there. Yeah. And then I also see accounts where he was simply <laughs> there eating lunch. And they just happened to back up into the spot. Yeah, so he's he's there and he's he's he goes outside and there the driver realizes they've made an error and tries to go in reverse and reverses right up next to Princip who realizes the situation that he's in. Oh, there's the target. There's the person I've been trying to kill this whole time. And he basically just pulls his pistol out and takes two lucky shots, <laughs> gets the archduke and uh kills Sophie as well. And so the the Archduke gets shot in the neck. Sophie gets shot in the abdomen. They both ultimately die from their their bullet wounds. And this guy, Gavrilo uh, Princip, he he kind of either through his own in, insane planning or through total luck managed to be in the exact spot where he could kill the Archduke. <laughs> Which sometimes in uh, Machine of Death it is by ultimate luck, especially with the cards you flip over. Because sometimes you'll get something that's like very similar to what your original plan was, or something that you were like, "Oh, well, this completely works." So, as as you might have remembered from history class, this was the the domino that kind of knocked over the rest, and ultimately we ended up in World War One as a result of this because of the the Black Hand actually had been given some intelligence ahead of time. They they were working with Russian officials. Uh, and had actually been told to not go forward with the assassination. 
but supposedly the the individual in the black hand who kind of like masterminded this entire hit either delayed the stopping of the assassination or just forgot or, or chose to ignore it. Well, he made the whole thing. He probably didn't want his pride. We're like, I spent all this time. We need to do this. Exactly. And so uh, they knew the possible repercussions of going through with this, and yet they they kind of pushed forward. And, well, we kind of know how that ended. <laughs> uh, okay, and our third and last uh, assassination story, if you will, um, we is probably the the biggest buildup uh, of any of the ones, but still kind of like a bunch of bumbling idiots doing trying to do this job and lock their way into it. <laughs> so uh, this was an assassination on the prime Spanish Prime Minister Luis Carrero Blanco, and there were four commandos from the Basque country, the Basque Separatist Group um, ETA, and this was in 1973. And so these commandos decided to pose as art students or sculpture students and rented out a basement apartment um, on the street where Blanco went to church every week. Yeah, so great start right away. Four (laughs) commandos. We're all struggling art students. We're art students. That would explain all of the loud noise that you're about to hear. Yeah, so all the digging and uh, stone moving that they're going to be doing is clearly just their sculpture and their art uh, that they're trying to do. Because what they did was they decided to dig a tunnel to the middle of the street. And so they they were in the basement apartment and they just started digging by hand Mm. this tunnel. Now, mind you, they didn't have any tunnel digging experience, nor did they bother looking up how to dig a tunnel. And they realized going through with this that this was going to be harder than they thought. They brought pickaxes, but the pickaxes and them were themselves were too big to start swinging these pickaxes, so they had to take very tiny little like scrapes away to build this tunnel. One of the guys realized he was claustrophobic after the after they started digging and after they already like decided to do this attempt on this man's life. And they also didn't even think about uh, the sewage and the noxious gases that would be like in, seeping into the soil and into this tunnel. And they even had some some collapses of the ceiling and everything too. They weren't support. They weren't setting up support <laughs> rods or anything like that along the whole way. They these were people who had no right digging a tunnel <laughs> whatsoever, doing their best with what they just kind of intuited to be the right way to to dig a tunnel. And you would think so because this was their big plan. Right. Was to build a tunnel. So eventually one of the guys read a book and found out how to dig a tunnel. They, that's all they did. And eventually just read a book. And so they, they were able to build a tunnel. They put up support so it wouldn't collapse. Uh, and it was their big success on their mission. Their second big success was actually filling the certain part of the tunnel right under the road filled with explosives. And, explosives. and they wanted to make sure they got it right. So they put a, a crap ton in there. And so... I mean, better to be safe than sorry. They spent a horrendous time building this tunnel, and And they were like, "We're gonna get this right. We we've been nothing else has been going our favor. We will fill this with with explosives." So after all this time building this tunnel, and after all this time sweating and laboring over this, and realizing that they probably weren't the best people for this tunnel building job, they fill this end of the tunnel with tons of explosives. And, and it's right under the road, so the idea is that the car will come down, and then they ignite the explosions, and then it kills the, um, the Prime Spanish Prime Minister. So Blanco is driving on his way to church, as he does, mm-hmm. in his little car, and he's driving, and they wait until he gets to the right moment, and they hit the explosion, and the explosion goes off, and it works. 
and it works so well. It works really well. That it launches Blanco's car five stories into the air. It flips over a building five stories in the air and lands on the second floor terrace of the church, I believe, yeah. is where it was. It's, it's like a Jesuit college and church. <laughs> so the explosion was so massive, it just launched this car up so high. Uh, he was given the nickname uh, Spain's first astronaut because he flew so high. Pretty good. And the amazing thing is he survived the actual explosion. Yeah. And he in- eventually died from probably internal bleeding right. and... and the like but they're, and, and as this happened they're all sitting there and they're, they're dressed as electricians at this time so they've they've gotten rid of their art student disguise and now they're donning the disguise of electricians and they watch the explosion go off they're super excited while wow, we did it we pulled it off we should probably explain why this just happened and so their natural explanation was that it was a gas explosion like a gas leak and explosion which maybe makes sense given how much experience that they had with the noxious gases while building their tunnel. But what's funny is that you have a bunch of electricians yelling about a gas explosion right. in this massive like chaos and confusion, and then they just dipped out and they got out of there. And there it was it was actually thought to be an accident for a long for a period of time until the ETA eventually kind of accepted well not accepted, they they were happy to to announce that it was their doing. And they and, released a statement, too, on why yeah. they uh, they did what they did. So, um, as you can see, it was another successful assassination attempt, but with things going wrong. Not necessarily in the actual assassination, but maybe in the planning, which also could go wrong in the game. And it's another one of those things. you got to think on your feet, and what do you do next? Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, just like in all these assassinations, there was a group of people doing this, and there was a group of people... Uh, collaboratively trying to kill someone, just like in A Machine of Death. Um, and so if if you've got a big group of friends or even a small group of friends, I did this just one-on-one uh, with two people, and it was still just as fun. And then we just recently did it with three, and it was still, uh, still a lot of fun. So uh, if you like creating stories and <laughs> you like the idea of a little bit of darker humor, this is definitely the way to go. Because it really is funny when you play it. Some of these words that you're given that you have to work with are just... My favorite one that I've seen so far is a specific walrus. And we, we used like five oh, different types used... of walrus in our... Walruses? Walrus? Walrusi? Walruses? Hmm, we'll never know. <laughs> uh, in, in our assassination, which it made it even funnier. Uh, so, yeah. It's a fantastic, fantastic kind of collaborative, fun storytelling game. If you like being wacky, if you like being goofy, like mm-hmm. Mike said, if you have that darker sense of humor, mm-hmm. this is definitely a game that you should check out. If you can watch a video on how to play it, it's probably better than trying to read it and understand it, because it, it is a little wordy in how they explain the rules. But, uh, yeah, definitely watch a video if you want to do that. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Check it out. Check out the book, too. I'm sure there's plenty of stories. And then, of course, the mission book is, is really fun. It's got a lot of follow- colorful characters. But, um, but, yeah, you got anything else? I mean, we could go through an uh, entire history of failed assassinations and hilarious successful ones, but I think that, that'll cover it for today. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you... Um, If you liked what we talked about today or had your own favorite uh, wacky assassination story, not personal, I hope, uh, (laughs) 
please don't send us that. We don't want to be incriminated. Uh, but if you had uh, any any stories or, or interesting history tidbits that uh, you want to share, feel free to email us at beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. If you also want to see what we're doing or if you want to maybe get a sneak peek on what the next episode is, uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at goingbtb. That's goingbtb for bombs that blow up. There you go. There you go. Bombs there. that blow up. Uh, so that's go at going BTB, hopefully, if things go according to plan. And remember, your death is most likely just up to fate. Mm, mm-hmm. Mine, though, most likely snakes. Mine's probably going to be bees or performance art. <laughs>